Your book, It's a State of Mind, Stop Existing, Start Living, uh, it's vastly popular on Amazon. To those who haven't read it, what's the central message and why did you write it? Um, I think one of the reasons I wrote it, I never even imagined, if you if you ever knew me at school, um, you would know that uh, I was would not have, I'd be the guy last to have written a book. Um, and I just essentially wanted to put this together to really just clarify what my message was and the message really is is that I think we're that we're we're all struggling but there is all a way out of that struggle um you know I spent a vast amount of time struggling with with my uh with my mindset with my state of mind and you know my mental health when I left the military and I, I joined civilian life again after sort of eight years eight and a half years of military service and, you know, during that sort of post-transition, uh, uh, two to three years, I spent in a really, really dark place. And the book's not really about me, but it's really about general life and really making you see, open your eyes to, to where you are in life and that you, that you only get this one life and that, you know, you can come back from that life. You know, even if you are in a rut, I think men are facing overwhelmed stress, frustration. There's more and more cases of mental health um out and about at the minute and i just think you know i really wanted to put my stamp on it because i feel so many people are neglecting themselves because because of people's state of mind and really the book essentially is it's a guide to self-assessing yourself and reevaluating your life and moving forwards but but why did you write it for other people because you're right, you could have just written a memoir about your life, but what you've done is you've created a guide for people. Why did you want to help others? Um, because I always have this saying, it's never about me, it's about you. Um, one of the key purposes behind doing it was that when I was in my struggle, I didn't really have anyone around at the time. And um, that, was a real big, that was a real big problem for me. I didn't know where to turn, I didn't know where to go. Um, I came back from the military, um, and I, I didn't have anybody. So I kind of wanted to do something that would help people who were in the same situation as I was when I left the Royal Marines and was in my rut, so that they could have, so they they could know that they're not alone. If that makes sense. But it it it, it seems peculiar from someone standing outside looking in that someone you were you were successful in in the Royal Marines. You were a lieutenant, weren't you? No, I was a, I was a sergeant when I left. Sergeant, yeah. So I mean, you you had a co you were very competent. So people don't usually associate people of that kind of caliber suddenly questioning their life. Perhaps you know they, you think someone in, with a military background could really cope in the civilian world. So what was the kind of disconnect? Um, in a military life, the structure um, there is um, there's purpose, there's identity, there's knowing who you are, what you belong to. There's, there's a there's a bigger purpose. When I left, all of that just went out the window, um, and I wasn't really prepared for 
the um, for civilian life, for the way that people do things in civilian life and military life are two different things. You know, um, when I was in the Royal Marines, like, you know, I was a sergeant PTI. You know, I, I went, I, uh, before that I was a sniper. And PTI is physical training instructor? Yeah, yeah, physical training instructor. So basically, you know, we're in charge of taking recruits from day zero to end of week 32. And my job is to make sure that they are physically strong enough um, to cope with the demands of training. And then before uh, that, sniping. You're a sniper. And then sniper, yep. Yeah, so um, I trained as a sniper. Um, uh, it was something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be um, the best soldier I could be. Um, I had every intention of joining special forces um, until I had my first child and my priorities changed. Mm. But being a sniper was always going to be the first step to then moving on to special forces. Um, so I had identity, I had purpose, I had drive, I had passion, um, I had vision. I, you know, I was in for the 22, you know, that was me, ready to go. Um, 22 years. Came, 22 years, that's how long you do for service. Okay. Um, and I just came out and I had none of those things. Literally, the moment you came out, nothing or? Literally nothing. Really? Literally, within the first month. So I went, so I left on the 23rd of September. Uh, 2011 and I went back to the career, it's an interesting story actually I went back to the careers office in October, one month later to try and rejoin um, Really? Uh, what, so I, what? I lasted four weeks um, and, and what's interesting is I went back to the careers office, said that I wanted to rejoin um, everybody was really happy, that was great everybody wanted, you know, was really happy that I was going back to the job um, I spoke to my boss on there, he said this is brilliant we're going to get you in, so I basically had to sign this form to release my medical forms. So I released medical forms and they said, we'll be in touch as soon as we got them. And what's funny is that I never heard back from them, ever. Really? Yeah. And um, so I phoned back up in November and said, um, I came in to see so-and-so, but he had moved on in that space of time. I said, well, I came in to sign some medical forms. And he said, I will check it out. I'll go and have a look. Again, I never heard back from him. And what was interesting in that was I left it through Christmas. I said, well, I'm just going to get through Christmas and then I'll go back. But I never went back and I never heard from them. And, I, you know, I'm a big believer in things happening for a reason. And, you know, I guess that uh, I wasn't meant to go back in. You know, it wasn't meant to be. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you, it's very rare that you don't hear back from the careers office. You know, they, they normally do on the ball. I would, have been, I would have been back in by Christmas probably. So what, something just slipped through the net, perhaps? I, something happened. Something happened along the way where they lost my forms, whether they got lost in the post, lost at, like, um, in the Navy HQ, or whatever happened. Obviously, something didn't want me to go back in. But you feel, yeah, you feel it's divine in, in some kind of way, and, and it's worked yeah. out. 100%. 100%. It, it, it's, when you look at it, it's, it, it's, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, um, but it's quite a massive sliding doors moment. Um, in what you know, way? In, in one way, my, my life could have been completely different mm. back into the military. Um, you know, where, 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 you know that, was, that was eight years ago. And where the eight years has brought me to where I am now, you know, it's, I could, there's two completely two different lives that I could have lived. But you've, you've gone from someone who you said was really down in the mouth to suddenly yeah. someone who, you know, people plug into you and feel revitalised by your book, by your, by, you know being around you, consultation. So 
what happened? So you didn't get the message back from the military. So yep. how did this suddenly, this kind of metamorphosis happen? It's, uh, so basically I joined uh, a local educational uh, like um, college and, and was a teacher. And I knew very quickly that that wasn't for me. Um, and I was only there a year and a half. It was always, I guess, going to be a stepping stone. Um, and my real passion was always been fitness. You know, I love fitness. Uh, naturally, having been a PTI, physical training instructor in, in the Marines, I wanted to run my own business. I had no idea how to do that. So um, I ended up leaving the college and just going all in on, on a business. And I, I, it's, it's interesting because um, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a live feed from my zero to hero moment. And that was from leaving the college, going into business. I didn't even know what a P&L sheet was. Um let alone how to run a business and I suddenly just started learning I started listening to people on the internet finding people who had done this before and made a real success of it and I just since then since 2013 so I started on the 13th of July 2013 once when I started my own business my local boot camp in my local area and since then, I've always, always followed the particular people that I followed who I've just learned from, you know, just by, I guess, people learning the way they learn from me. And um, I just, I can't explain it. I just went, I just was driven. I just suddenly turned into this driven, purposeful type of guy who, who, who had ambition and hunger to do well in life. My, you know, I had a clear purpose, which was to always provide for my children, be the best father I could. And that has always remained my core purpose and focus. And throughout it, it's it, even on the dark down days and the up days, it's, it's always been my purpose. And then in 2016, I wanted to do more and work with men more because um, I was always in a male environment in the Marines. And I always wanted to reach out to more guys and help more guys that were struggling like I was struggling. And, you know, that's how the dad coach evolved. It was, you know, the dad coach is about a year and a half old. Before that, it was just me. I used to call it just James Boardman Fitness and Lifestyle. But, you know, I wanted to help dads who had lost their purpose, who had lost their way. And, and I guess as I've grown, my business has grown. Hence, my content has grown and I guess my self-awareness has grown and, and I'm always looking to I'm always looking to improve myself as an individual because when I improve myself then my kids get the best version of me my wife my partner does my followers do my clients do and it's just kind of like a pyramid effect when I'm at the top of the pyramid everyone below me benefits if that makes sense it, would you say that um, would you say that there's a crisis amongst men psychologically now more than ever? I would say that there has always been that problem. I would just say there's more awareness of it now. Right. Um, with the growth of social media, um, with more people who are coming out and talking about their problems and their issues, um, you know, a lot of footballers are coming out and talking about it. A lot of actors are coming out and talking about it. Uh, and the struggle is real. I feel it's always been there. I just feel that we are more aware of it these days. So, so how how do men who are struggling at you know at the age of thirty plus, say for example, um, yep. why is it you know you say in your book um, that it's it's men in their thirties that re really hits them? Why? So I, I I think one of the key words 
in um, in a lot of issues is transition. Now, when I look at transition from a particular chapter in life to another chapter, mm. that is when there is trouble. Um, so you look at you look at footballers that transition from being a pro footballer to then suddenly normal life. Mm. They struggle. They hit the drink. Um, you know, I was watching a, a program where all the England stars got back together with um, uh, Harry Redknapp, and you look at th- those guys are bored, they're lost, and it's the same same problems that I face when I transition from military life to c- civilian life. Lack of identity. Who am I? What now? Where's my drive? Where's my passion? And I think that from a t- uh, when you are t- in your twenties, you're leading up to your thirties. You you are suddenly gone from a single Viking who's out drinking with his mates, going to the gym when he wants, um, not really having to worry about the future immediately. This is not everyone, but, you know, you kind of live that single life. Then you tend to meet somebody that you fall in love with or you suddenly have children and suddenly have a mortgage. You then suddenly are strapped into your job that you never thought was going to be the final job. You know, you always thought there was going to be something better. And it's always in and around between the kind of like 28 to 35-year-old kind of period that all of this happens. And then all of a sudden, we we, we can't go to the gym when we want. Mm. We are stressed out with work because we're trying to earn money to look after our family. You know, we're distracted, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed. We don't know how to cope. We don't have the tools to cope. Guys don't have the tools to cope. They don't have the structure. They don't have the accountability. And it all gets too much. It all gets too much. And the biggest thing that suffers is health, relationships, and personal development. And because work just seems to take over for men. So in your experience with men, um, what, are the, what are the kind of slippery slope signs you start seeing, you know, where, for me, my, my view is that, you know, people stop kind of washing or taking care of their body. You know, slowly everything else collapses. I mean, what, what, what's your view on that? Is there... A kind of checklist of things that you see in men when they're kind of they're losing the grip so i mean i think there's a number of triggers i think one of the first things is coping mechanisms um i think one of the things that a lot of men turn to who certainly who i've worked with working with has spoken to is alcohol um mm. and the consumption of alcohol alcohol is an escapism it's a short fix escapism where like all of those problems I was talking about where we feel overwhelmed, we feel stressed, we, we feel troubled. We can almost escape that by drinking and suddenly feeling great for a couple of hours. You know, you, you drink to forget and then suddenly it becomes a habit and then suddenly there's a beer gut and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're non-communicative uh, uh, with your family and then you start like falling off the wagon and then you start gambling and it's it's coping mechanisms there's emotionally eating as well um so i think one of the first things that men start doing is is the consumption of alcohol starts to suddenly start going up which then just creates like a downfall you know a, a spiral downhill in terms of trying to look after yourself trying to really care about it anymore um that's what I've noticed most. So, so, so with the book, you know, you, you, you lay it out for people, kind of the approach, uh, a kind of a, a good way to uh, analyze analyze one's life and then start implementing change. So, for people who want to go to the book, basically, what is the approach? 
so we talk at the very start of the book we talk about the life audit yeah uh the life audit is something i did um i don't even know where i got it from to be honest but you know I, um i just thought i just started writing stuff down what i've always found is that my head has always been congested in the past full of ideas full of things that i'm thinking and i've always found that writing stuff down has always helped me and um i remember just doing like thinking about my life okay what are the areas of my life and i kind of broke it down to four sections which kind of covers everything the first one was health and under health is kind of mental well-being nutrition fitness levels energy levels work and career it's always talking about um you kind of looking at your stress levels the the time that you spend at work your time management your productivity and then there's personal development which is kind of like how do you promote positivity in your mind you know how do you move forwards what do you listen to what do you read that promotes a positive mental uh, attitude and mindset and then there are relationships and there are different forms of relationships there are your close family there are your friends there are your working environments and i kind of like it kind of gives you the whole layout of your life just in those four headings so, and yeah what I ask people to do in the book is kind of self-audit yourself, you know, just like any company would come in and they would audit customer care or they would order, they would audit a company. Um, and, and we do that because we want to see where that company is performing. So why don't we do that on ourselves to see how we are performing as human beings? And, you know, it kind of opens up a lot of emotion. A lot of people would do it too quickly is the first thing. It's not something you can do right away, and I feel like you almost need a good 24-hour process where you're really taking your time to think about it. And what I ask people to do is think about the last 12 months initially. You know, where is your health? Where is your, like, worth, work ethic, time management? Where, what are you doing in terms of personal development? What are you doing in terms of your relationship? How are they all going? And 10 is like you're on it, and zero is you are way beyond, you're, you're way off the mark. Mm. And... There's no point, no point in lying to yourself or bullshitting yourself because all you're doing is, 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 is lying about where you are. What we need here is honest truth to sit down and go, I'm a three at health, I'm a three at work, you know, and this and that. And then suddenly what you have in front of you is a start point for something where you can build on. You know, um, Pete, what, what, with, the, with the, 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 this process, it doesn't take into account... Um, say past traumas necessarily so so which I think is a strength in a way I mean you tell me if it's not but you know everyone has had bad things happen to them in some way and yep. we've all interpreted it in various ways but that was yesterday and yep. I suppose with this plan you lay out your future so you're not too fussed about what happened in the past because you're moving forward and fixing it I agree. Uh, you know, we've all we've all had stuff. We've all lost somebody. Somebody that we know has been affected by cancer. Somebody has died. Somebody, you know, there's always trauma in a life. You know, we've all like not all, but a large majority of men um, are, are going through anxiety and depression. Some have PTSD. So we go through all of this factor. But what is the, there is no point in going back to that. There is, you know, we still have to live our lives. We are always mm. going to face drama we're always going to face hardships I, I believe that if we can accept that life is always going to be bring you hardships is going to bring you tough times what we need to do is prepare ourselves 
to be stronger, more resilient, more robust, and have a stronger state of mind to be able to cope with these situations so that we don't just completely stop living our lives because it's happened. Yes, it's happened. It's awful. Mm. And it's terrible and it brings really bad emotions. But we have to kind of like, we have to put ourselves in a, in a, in a strong, positive state of mind so that we can handle this. You know, we, I, I kind of look as men as the leaders of the family. Mm. Um, so, and I kind of feel that when everyone else is upset and struggling, okay, we still need to be open. And for me, being strong is being open about those issues, which is, you know, why I run my, me- my memberships, because it's a safe place to open up. So if you are struggling, you know, it's about opening up. It's about being a strong leader and, and, and communicating. And I think no matter what's happened in the past, if somebody come to me today, if you were to come to me today and said to me, I need to move forwards, I'm just going to simply say, where are you right now today hmm. in terms of your audit score? Because the thing is, if you're, like you said, if you've taken care of yourself and you know where you're headed, yeah, if you know where you're headed, it's not, it's not necessary. You'll get hit by a, a big wave, but you can keep going. If if you've done the audit on yourself and you've sorted your yeah. life out and you know where you're headed, it doesn't yeah. really matter, I suppose, if you get hit by a big wave because you're still going in the direction you should be, so you feel good about yourself. Yeah, and that's the thing. So for me, I always talk about day 365. Now, day 365 is where I feel that if the majority of people that I work with get to and they're still consistently moving forwards if they are still doing everything that i'm asking them to do if they still have structure control within their lives then i feel that they can be almost unbreakable you know i've got guys who've been in my in my membership for over a year now some of them have gone through awful things in that year and are still turning up and showing up now when we change when when i work with men and they change for me okay it's easy when life is good mm. okay when life is good it's really easy in the first couple of weeks you know it's really easy it's because you, your adrenaline's bust uh, pumping you're really fixed on changing your life you're pumped for it but what happens okay when the next roller coaster comes in you know when the next problem wave of destruction comes in to try and ruin your life that's when we really see what we're about that is when we go a little bit deeper into ourselves and figure out what we're about there are, the, there are those that will quit and there are those that will show up regardless of what's happening. And the mentality that I'm trying to promote through the dad's coach, through my membership, through my programs is that I'm not preparing you for the good days. I'm preparing you for the bad days so that when the bad days show up, you show up every single day regardless of what's going on. The thing is, why are you doing this? Obviously, it's a business and, and people love it. And they love the yeah. book as well. But some people would fix their lives like you did in dramatic fashion and then go, right, I'm done. What, what, what do you get out of seeing these people fixed? It's, it's, it's oh, just passionate. I, you know, I literally love my job. I literally love my job. And you think, so think, I'm a parent. So I look at my, like I've got, uh, I've got a 13-year-old girl and I've got an 11-year-old boy and I've got a two-year-old daughter. When I look at my kids, when I look at my older kids, especially 11 and 13, and they've achieved something, and I've, they've got to life so far, and they, you know, they are good kids, they're working hard at school, you know, they're, they're a pleasure to be around, and I look at that self-satisfaction, at that, you know, that's me that's parented then, with, with their mum, even though me and mum are not together, we have a fantastic relationship, us together, 
have brought up those kids to be the way they are today. And it's that self-satisfaction that I feel from that. And that is the same type of satisfaction that I get from working with guys when they send me a message, a message and I get a message saying, you've changed my life, your book saved my life, your book stopped me killing myself. I, that was one of the most jaw-dropping messages I ever read. And What was that? So one guy said to me, I was going to kill myself. I read your book and I've, I'm going to change. And he's okay. kept in touch with me ever since. Um, and he, he's just an incredible guy. He's turned it around. And to receive a message like that is worth more than anything. Anything, anything, anything. Um, well, people are saying that about your book on Amazon. You know, they're leaving reviews saying, this book's changed my life completely. I, mean, I know. How, it's, how... it's a bit overwhelming for me. So I don't do very well with, with compliments. Like, I don't. <laughs> um, I'm awful with compliments. When people say, oh, God, you're doing the great stuff and great stuff. And I don't see it because I'm just a normal guy. Like, I literally am just a normal guy. And I, 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 you know, it's it's bizarre how this is great. Like the dad's coach was only ever a side project, just a little bit of passion. You know, it's passionate. You know, I thought maybe I'd work with 10, 15 guys. You know, I'm, I doubt it would grow into anything big. Uh, you know, and a year and a half later, it's it's just mental. What was the idea yeah. behind that? Um, so I was um, obviously I was talking about my business earlier, my local boot camp, and um, that was great. That was going really well. I hired loads of staff. And I was just ready for the next project. I was just ready for the next project. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to run that business, but I'm going to do a little side thing here. And I, I want it to be more about what I want to do, working with guys that I want, that want to change their lives. And it, it kind of took me a while to understand the online business and, and, and kind of like who I was. I was a bit nervous about really being as, you know, I'm straight down the line. I'm a straight down the line kind of guy. My content is straight down the line. I was a bit nervous about that because I didn't know how people re would react to that. What and, were you nervous about? Uh, in what way? That you'd be judged for something that you're not? Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's kind of like, I'm, I am pretty blunt. <laughs> um, I'm straight down the line. But I think that men need to be told the truth. Definitely. Like, uh, and I don't think they need to be told what they want to hear. Oh, it's going to be all right. Don't you worry. We get like it's like it's not going to be all right. You are in trouble unless you turn this around. Do you know? And and I was kind of like I just hit that point where I just went screw it. I'm just going to be me. I'm mm -hmm. just you know I'm like this all the time. I'm just blunt. But you know I show massive amount of compassion for guys that are struggling. It's not that you know I think I think where people get it wrong is that they think. And probably you, know, you don't understand what we're going through. You don't know what we're doing. Whereas I really do understand what you're going through. And I'm just displaying the coaching and the content that I would have needed to get me out of that. Now, that's not going to be to everyone's taste. And whenever, in whatever situation in the world, does anyone please everyone? It's either you, you're you on. It's like Marmite. You either like it or you don't. And that's, you know, I'm Marmite. So, so, so you, you've done the audit and yep. you've, you've looked at your life. So now, because I've said, obviously in the book, you've got timetables and schedules and, and all. Can you kind of just, for people listening, how, how so they've done the audit and they've really thought about it and they've been truthful. Yeah. Now what happens? So I think the key is not to be overwhelmed here. Um, for a lot of guys, they're going to try and change things very quickly. Um, and I think the problem is where people quit is the overwhelm. Overwhelm is huge. The journey to be fit, men have a stronger mental well-being, to be more in control 
of their life takes time. So I'm a big fan of small wins. Small mm. wins consistently every single day, 24-7-365. And instead of trying to change the world in a small period of time, let's change the world to the day that you die. Okay? Let's, you know, let's grow as a human being to the day that we leave this planet. So that starts with, okay, what I always recommend when someone joins my membership is for the first six weeks, all I want you to focus on is tracking your calories, is implementing a fitness routine, and then holding yourself accountable. That, that's it. The three, if, you know, if they were to come in and I said, right, I want you to work out, I want you to track your calories, okay, I want you to do your accountability, I want you to do all your planning, uh, you know, I, I want you to work out what your transition when you come home is, I want you to do your daily review, I want you to do your morning meditation, like, literally, you lose the plot, okay, you've got enough overwhelm going in in life, we need to feel good about ourselves, exercise for me is a healer, it's a mental healer, it was the mental healer for me, it was the thing that snapped me out of my rut, you know, I lost all passion for fitness when I left, and, you know, I was passionate about fitness in the Marines, loved it, and... I started running again, started running, 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 running. And, and just the more I exercise, the clearer my mindset. And it's kind of like, get those three things right, be accountable, get your fitness right, get your diet right. You're going to start feeling much better about yourself and you're going to be able to be a lot clearer about the next thing that's, that we need to work on, whether that's time management, whether that's your planning, whether that's goal setting, whether that is your evening routine to get a better night's sleep or whether that's your morning routine to get a better morning routine, that's the thing we then go on to. So what was the accountability you mentioned? Is it accountability to the fitness regime and the calories or accountability in a, in a bigger context? So basically what we have in, uh, in, in our membership is on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, we have accountability system. So at 7.30 in the evening, I will drop my accountability. And what we do is it's kind of like the life audit. But it's very, it's very similar. It's not quite the same. But what we do is we score ourselves in three departments, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. So we would just put a score out of 10. And what the guys would do is up to them how much they write. They would just literally write a little blog underneath, okay? So they might write uh, fitness, 5 out of 10, missed my workout today, really annoyed with myself. Or they might go 10 out of 10, I'm on top of my game, I'm feeling really good. And it's the same for nutrition, and then it's the same for mindset. So that is the first part of the accountability. Within so this is on the web, this is on your website. No, no, this is within my membership group. So this is what I work with on with my members via Facebook. Uh, yep. So we have a private Facebook group, um, and also within the group. So we've got 150 members at the minute, and within there we put them into groups of four or five. So behind the scenes they're keeping themselves going as well. So they've got accountability buddies. So there could be somebody in Scotland, somebody in Wales, and somebody in the south of England, all kind of behind the scenes becoming mates and holding each other accountable. They might never have even met each other, but they're keeping each other going, as well as the main format of accountability. Okay, so, okay, that's phase one. Then what happens? So what we then tend to do is, for me, the biggest thing about controlling anxiety depression all of the other things that are going on all of the distractions um it is time management and control um so i always talk about this with guys is that when we're at college or at university or whatever you did we always run our life off a timetable so we would look at our timetable and we would know what classes we've got to be at and at what time 
Now, I remember being at college and looking at that timetable and going, okay, so I'm going to plan some time with my girlfriend there. I'm going to plan some time with my mates here. I'm going to do some shifts at Tesco's here to earn some money. And basically, I run my life around this timetable. And it provides structure. And I probably didn't even realize it back then, but, you know, how structured I was just based on this one piece of paper. So I took that concept and we put that concept into every, everyone's lives that we work with. And it, I talk about it a lot in my content as well on the Dad's Coach page and Instagram. And we must timetable our week. We must be in control of our week because if we're not, we are just free riding. We, you know, we're just cuffing the day. There's, there's no direction. We're just like a boat with no sail and nowhere to go. By following a timetable, people are able to um, plan their priorities. So workouts in in the morning, non-negotiables like date night, school run. And basically what you're doing is filling up your week okay, with your areas of health, personal development, relationships, and work. And what you should have on a Sunday morning is looking at your diary and going, okay, I know what I'm doing per hour for the week. And it just gives you a sense of structure, control, reduces overwhelm, it gives you your to-do list, and you are planned. And it's just such a great sensation to, to have. It reduces stress, it reduces distraction, and if there is a curveball that comes in, then you're well planned to deal with that curveball. So what happens if you've got loads on and you've got because you have a golden hour don't you yeah so the golden hour is is what anything you want to do so in the hour i always say to people within the golden hour the golden hour is about preparing you for the day and, and that's all it is it's preparing you mentally and physically for the day so whatever you do within that golden hour has to benefit you mentally physically it's got to start stimulating you you've got to be well organized and planned and the key and the absolute purpose of this is for you to work walk out of the front door with some fire in the belly, with the head up, feeling organised in control. Rather than being the guy that snoozes four times, wakes up, trying to drink his coffee, trying to get dressed at the same time, looking for his keys, walking out the door, having lost the day already. And 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 what what can be in that goal now? Can it be what just having a shave, brushing your teeth, ironing a shirt? So you could um, what what. Let me, let me give you my recommendation. So what I was look at is Headspace. So what I do is, um, and what some of the other guys do, is use an app called Calm. It's a meditation app. So you can do like a 10 minutes to clear your head. And it's very difficult for, for guys to do. You know, especially busy guys, busy dads who have got lots going on. It's great just to wake up and just have that free time to learn to clear your head. Breathing exercises, um, you're just stimulating the mind. You're kind of getting it ready for the day. And then I recommend going into doing a 20-minute workout. Most of our workouts in the Brotherhood are, are around 20 minutes um, of the app. And that way you don't even have to think about the workout again in a day. You know, you get the endorphins going. You get the chemicals in your body ready. So you've had some headspace. You've had your workout. You can then get yourself showered, change and breakfast. Get all your food ready for the day that you prepared the night before. Check your diary. Make sure you've got clarification of what your day is. Kiss the kids and the wife goodbye. Bang out the door you go. What what happens um, with the evening then? So you go to work, you come back. You've already done major wins because you've obviously you've trained that day. You've got your head in the right place. You know you've sorted yourself yep. out. But what happens yep. in the evening? Is there is there something? Uh, is there downtime? So what I really suggest um, 
to a lot of my guys that come home is the most important factor uh, to coming home is transition. Now, you can leave the house super in a, in a great in a great way, in a great mood. But as we all know, real life can affect your date and we're only human. So things could happen. People could annoy you. Things could not go the way that you wanted. But what we have to try and get out of is work mode and get into personal mode. Now, you, as soon as you get home, for me, you're in personal space. Now, there's a number of things that you can do to transition, to slowly get our mind off thinking about work and getting us being present for the family and the kids. Now, you can listen. If you commute, you can listen to an audiobook, a podcast. You can read a book. You can do uh, a brain dump for the next day. What's a brain dump? Things that you need to do. Anything that really starts changing the way that you're thinking in your brain, in your state of mind, so that when you get home, you're not thinking about the like £100,000 contract that you're trying to get or the email that you got off uh, a customer that triggered you or your boss being a bellend. It, you know, <laughs> what we're trying to do is leave that. We're trying to leave that, right, at work and we're trying to get into a transition. Other things you could do is um, walk or run for 20 minutes, okay? But, you know, if you're cycling home or running home from work or you're walking back from the station, you can do that. That could be your walk. Another thing that I recommend to my guys is kind of coming home, spending the first 20 minutes in the kitchen, preparing your food for the next day with the kids, kind of making that social event, put your phone on airplane mode. The biggest thing that I try and get people to do is when they're home, to put the phone on airplane mode and stick it in the cupboard. Mm. And the purpose of that is to be present, okay, is to be present. Because if your phone's there, you're distracted. Everyone's distracted by the phone. You know, my phone's going off all the time. And I just, like, when I'm home, when we, when I go home today, I should just put it in my drawer. It's date night tonight, and I will leave it in my drawer until tomorrow. And you have to set yourself these rules, you know, as part of coming back and being home. And there's the morning routine, there's the main bulk of your day, which you did at work, and then there's coming home. You know, the kids don't want you coming home and drinking to cope. They don't want you coming home stroppy. Your wife certainly doesn't want to be treading on eggshells thinking, is he going to be in a good mood or bad mood? What sort of days he been in? We don't want that. We want to create a positive environment at home. And, and it takes time. You know, we all go through shit. We're all going through stuff. But, you know, it's not just about us. It's about other people. And they want the best version of you. And to have the best version of you, we must have these strategies and tactics in place to make sure we're in the right frame of mind when we get home. So, so talk to me then about, about bedtime briefly. So... Because obviously sleep, you mentioned sleep before. I mean, what, what's yeah. your view on that? I mean, and also in relation to quote unquote working up, working late. You know what I mean? Pushing through. Is that something you believe in, or? Um, I believe there is a time and a place where you do. I, I get it. I get that companies. I get that like things that need doing. Okay, you know, the structure and everything that I promote or try to deliver to people is an ideal situation. I understand that if you're a CEO of a company and you have got a massive million pound contract to push through that you've got to, you know, you can't just turn around and go, right, fuck, we're going to lose this contract because I've got to go home and do my evening routine. Like common sense prevails. But if we get it 95% right, then we're winning. You know, I understand that people do have to push through and et cetera. But what I'd also say to people is that is the work that you're doing, if you didn't do it, is your business or company going to close down? Are you going to lose millions? Are you going to lose your job? And if the answer is no, then it really, there is no point in doing it. One of the biggest things that I did when I started business was I would work right through to midnight. Hmm. 
And there was no point in me doing that because of this work of today. It's not going to make any difference whatsoever. Why? Because the work never ends. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's continuous, right? Like, I have never, like, we have just finished two weeks of intense work for the dad's coach, doing a five-day free trial, introducing brand new people to our brotherhood, doing two train like a Marines. It's huge. And guess what? We're back onto the next thing that starts, launches Monday. So it's never ending. Because we never stop working until we're 60, 65, 66. Mm. So, so you're telling me by working to 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, it's going to make the difference in the end? What will you remember on your deathbed? You staying up to 12 could have done the next clock, ignoring your family on your laptop, or you being present, putting the kids to bed, reading them a story, actually talking to your wife and actually having quality time with her. What about your? What are your thoughts on, though, rationalising the staying up late by saying, well, yes, but look how much progress I'm making? Because you will make more progress, but in the wrong places, perhaps. It, it's the imbalance, right? It's mm. the imbalance of life. Okay, why, why would you need to do that? Okay, progress is great, but where you have progress in work, you don't have progress in your relationship. Yeah. So it's, it's the counterbalance. So, yep, great, good on you, earning more money, brilliant, if that's what you want, but want to be divorced and sitting in Weatherspoons in the corner by yourself, <laughs> crack on. Uh. <laughs> or actually grow old with your partner who yeah. you communicate with. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's fun. Like, I used to be that guy who would push through. I used to be that guy who was ambitious. I wanted to be the next big thing. I fucking definitely don't want to be the next big, big thing. But ironically, you know? it's, it's working exactly, it, it's blown up in in, in fantastic fashion. You haven't. It, it has. See, I don't think it has. So it, this is funny because everyone says to me from the outside, it looks super busy. To me, I, I just don't like, I just don't do, you know, I do, I do my set times to me, it doesn't feel blown up. It doesn't feel like it's... It, it just feels right. The balance is right. And, you know, I, I I am hungry and successful. But two years ago, I was even more hungry and successful to the point where I wanted, you know, I was watching all of these guys who were doing so well on the internet explode, and I was just like, God, dude, I, I don't know if I want that. And, and maybe it will go to that, but I now... I'm in a much better place than I was two years ago in terms of following everything that I preach, by practicing really? what I preach. To me, success is being a, success, a successful father and partner, not being on social media 24-7. Whereas I got the balance wrong two years ago. You know, I felt I had to be on social media all of the time. I felt I had to be looking and answering messages at 11 o'clock at night. Whereas now, I'm structured, I'm routined. I'm, I, I, my stress levels have reduced considerably because I know exactly what I want and I know exactly what's important. What about sleep? So, um, I, so my routine is 6.30, that's it, I switch off from social media. Any social media that is put up after that is scheduled and any messages that come in will be put, in, put will be got back to during my specific slot, slots during the day that I, um, I allocate mm. for customer relations so you know that's what you know structure structure it's not all over the place it's structured at this time at a b and c these are the times that i will get back to people on posts and messages these are the times that i will come back to email so i create that structure so it's 6 30 i switch off i spend the night with the family i'm in bed between half eight and nine i read for about 15 20 minutes i'm asleep by half nine guaranteed really yeah that sounds like heaven. So I used to go to bed at 11. Yeah. And um, I used to self-sabotage. I used to stay up. 
like looking through the internet, listening to all this good stuff, and I was just like, it doesn't work. I'm up at 4:20 every single morning, oh, yeah. Monday to Monday to Saturday, and Sunday I lie in. I don't even set my alarm, um, and it's structured. It's like it's non-negotiable. You know, if I'm out on a Friday night with some friends, I'm still up at 4:20. You just suck it up when you're up, um, and it's just living by that discipline that I feel that I've got to a way that I want to live my life. What happens at four, you, what happens at four twenty in the morning? Four twenty. Hmm. So um it's a little bit different each day. Um but I'm currently training for a hundred mile race. So wow. Monday morning, um I'm up at four twenty, um I have my first breakfast, I do my mobility, I do my uh, morning show on Instagram, on Facebook Live. Um I then convert that to a podcast and send my email out. So that's by half five, I've, I've done all of that. And then I've put it onto LinkedIn, YouTube. So I've done all my, so I've touched everybody on social media. So I've kind of like turned up and showed up, okay? Putting out my content, my thoughts. I then usually hit a four, five hour run on Monday. Four hour run, five hour run. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've, I've got to train. I've got to, be, I've got to be doing, I've got to be running at a slow pace. So um, it's, it's quite, dis yeah, it, it takes up a lot of time right now, but it, it's fine. What's the race? Um, it's a 100-mile race from, um, it's, uh, on the South Downs from Winchester to uh, Eastbourne. Haven't you got enough on your plate? No, never. I always want more. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's different. So, uh, like, you know, most mornings between 4.20 and 5 is first breakfast, um, headspace, mobility, and then at five o'clock is usually between five and five forty-five is social media content, podcasts, emails, whatever it might be. Six o'clock, I'm usually either with a client or I am running or training, one of the two. Um, so it's very structured in the morning. But you get it all out of the way. It gets out of the way. Like I literally buy, if I wanted to, by six o'clock, I could pretty much be done for the day. Because I would just literally, if, you know, if, if I could schedule my social media for the day, um, you know, I... I what, as in you, 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 put it on a, you put it on a timer to come out at certain points? Yeah, 100%. The only thing I can do that on, though, is Facebook in a minute. So when that comes out, I copy and paste it and then distribute, distribute that across all the other social platforms. Um, so I have, uh, I have four things that I'm solely responsible for. Um, and this I did to reduce my overwhelm. So anyone that's in business will really benefit from this. And I wrote it on my whiteboard so I can always remember because I don't know if you ever get this. It's like, I'm sure I've got something else to do. Something else is in my mind. I'm sure I've got to do something else. And it was causing me anxiety and, uh, and overwhelm. So I wrote down the things that I were my job space each day that before, that's when I knew I'd finished. So it would be three social media posts a day, um, one email, a day, Monday to Friday. Um, contact all of my clients at least once a day um, in form of whether it's, a, uh, I've got a, like a mastermind group. So making sure that I text at least two of those members a day and jump in into the group to make sure everyone's all right or then into my silver membership, making sure that I've at least touched base some in some way and then following up and leads. Those are my four job tasks that I need to do a day. That by the end of the day, I need to have done each one of those four. That creates clarity on what my role is. So talk to me about your book. So finally, when your book, you wrote it and just put it out on Kindle. Is that how it worked? So um, I, 
hooked up with, um, I was in a networking group at the time, and it was a lady called Colette um, who coaches people to write a book, and she comes down and helps you template the book and structure the book. Um, she comes down and spends a day with you, um, and she is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, she helped me kind of put all of my ideas down, and we structured out the book in a day, and I got to writing. I got, you know, I got to writing. Um, I nearly quit after the first two months because um, my laptop corrupted and I lost everything. Oh, I lost half oh, the book. Oh, half the book? Half the book. And it was all saved, but my, my, um, I didn't save it like through Outlook. I saved it onto my laptop. Um, uh, and, oh, was, and they couldn't recover. That's so destroying. So that was, that was demoralizing same time my partner was due um so i started writing the book in january uh january 2017 um my partner was due a baby in april um of, of that same year of little alba that came along uh, and i was also running a hundred mile race in june um so i really put myself through the mill that year <laughs> um and i I didn't really get to train as much as I wanted the 100 miler, and I, I did it three hours over what I wanted. I did it in 27 hours when okay. I was really aiming for 24. Um, I only actually committed 200 miles to the training, whereas I've done 850 miles to the training for this time. So I'm a lot better prepared and stronger this time. Um, plus, I'm a lot more in control of my schedule and day. So the, the, the book was out in 2017, yes? 2017, yeah. So, so I published it, launched on in September 2017. But then you've had a new development. So what's happened? Yeah, so in 2017, um, I basically put a book up. And as my following has gone up, the book has been, has been more, no, as, as, as I guess, been noticed more. This was out on uh, Kindle? Uh, yeah, it's out on Kindle. It's out, of, it's out on paperback. And I put it up on Amazon. And we got to... Selling, uh, selling the books and the books, you know, I think it sold, I think it sold around five and a half thousand so far, 6,000 kind of like just by myself. Um, and then Hodder, who's a book company uh, up in London, um, noticed it. I had a call uh, last year from uh, one of the guys who, um, uh, who is the publishing for self-help books. Um, really liked the book. And uh, since we negotiated and um, they are taking on the book, uh, we are currently in the process of updating the book, uh, the front cover, some of the um, script, and we're going to be doing an audio book as well. So I think that we're looking to relaunch in September this year, two years on from when it was first done. Fantastic. Which is amazing. Um, and I didn't realise just how big Hodder was. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I was I was told I was put in my place by a couple of guys who I knew who were in the industry and said like that you know they're almost the biggest out there. So um, I was I was I was really humbled. I nearly threw away the opportunity, which I'm really glad I didn't. Um, it was a bit of naivety on my part, but we're good to go. It's going I think it's going to be amazing, um, and it, I I think it could open up a few few extra doors to really expand my message. If if there's finally if there's one thing you could tell guys who are suffering right now that you would have told yourself if you'd known, what would that be? What would you say? So for the guys that are struggling right now, um, the biggest thing that saved my life was having clarity on my purpose and the reason I was here. Um, I, I, I truly believe a lot of guys struggle to realise why they're here sometimes. Um, 
and uh, there was one point in my life when I almost decided to to end everything. Um, and what was interesting was that just before that point, when I was about to do it. The picture of my children was on the wall, and it fell off the wall, and it really got my attention. And it was really weird. It's, it's, it's very eerie. Um, and I just looked in the picture and just realised that what the hell am I doing? Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, how have I got to this point from being so successful in, in the Marines, being, like, loving life? I used to love... I, 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 I love life, sorry. Not used to. I love life. But uh, during that point, I didn't, and I'd lost my way. And I kind of felt like there was no purpose for me, so there was no point in being here. If I was to give anyone advice, it's to search deep down for your purpose to be the best version of yourself again. Because... Once you realize what that is, it triggers action. It triggers emotion. It's very powerful. And and I and I just, from there, when I realized my purpose, that's when I started running again, immediately. As, as soon as I saw that picture, sat there, cried in a really dark place, I just left the house and run for what was meant to be half an hour and ended up running for three hours in the middle of the night. I come home, the cloud had cleared, and I suddenly started writing stuff down, and I've never looked back. I've never, from that night, I've never looked back. James Borman, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honour having you on the podcast. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really great to talk about stuff, and I really hope that this this really helps somebody change the way that they're living their lives right now. Thank you for having me. <laughs>